What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos currently ages 10 to 16 and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 19th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my friend Hector Santisteban, and we had a great time connecting on a few really important topics, such as your confidence as a man with your spouse, how to be in tune with what is most important to you, and the importance of challenging your kids to lean into hard things. Enjoy meeting my friend Hector. Hector, welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. It's good to see you again. Thanks for taking um, some time out of your day to connect on fatherhood. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Yeah, dope. Me too, man. I love talking fatherhood. So let me ask you this right now. So right now it's four or it's uh, it's one o'clock for me, uh, but I work on California time. Uh, it's Friday, right? How is your energy level right now after a week of work? And we're about to both go into our weekends. I've never asked this, but we're, we're both dads. We've got kids. How do you feel right now after a full week of work? Well, you, you talked to me about the, the smoke that was emerging on camera earlier. It could just be the massive amounts of caffeine that I've been uh, <laughs> consuming over the day. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm charged up, man. You know, life has been a lot recently, but, mm-hmm. uh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm a big, uh, believer in, in the, you know, the things they don't break us, they make us, you know? And so it's like, so I've just been really charged up personally and, um, I'm about to go grab the kids. So after our, our interview, I'm going to go get the kids and I'll be at home with them tonight because my wife is working a big event. And so, um, Perhaps my body's just anticipating that because they're they're three and four and they just uh, <laughs> they deserve and and, mm. and and love lots of attention and time and, and stuff. So I'm I'm feeling good, but you know, heading into the weekend, like I'm still got I'm still on because you know my wife's got a that's when she works, and so that's when when I, I I seem to go to work, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, no doubt that that is a that is a job in different at different stages of of life. Okay, so I'm gonna come back to this. I'm gonna come back to this question because I was just took like a 15 minute walk, okay, like a five minute walk, um, and was thinking about this. So we'll come back to this. So Hector, how old do you find yourself today? I'm 31. I think I think 31. 31. I love that when I don't quite remember when I'm asked. It's beautiful. How many years you've been married? We've been married. We're going on. Uh, we'll have our five-year anniversary in next next week, um, and we've been together eight years. Nice. And then two kiddos, three and four. Three and four. Back to back. Yeah, just the way we planned it. There you go. Okay. Is that real or no? <laughs> no. no <laughs> okay. No. No. You know, it's a funny. Since we we're talking about it, it's a. It's not a funny story. Actually, it's a. It's a traumatic story. But we had our first our first boy, and um, that was its own kind of traumatic 
pre- pregnancy. My wife was on bed rest for the last, I don't know, two, three months of the, of the pregnancy. Dang. Yeah. Um, she, he comes out well, he's great. Um, and then a few months, maybe even, a, I don't know, right, right when, right when we were able to, she got pregnant again. And oh, then, sheesh. and this is, you guys are like, Oh my gosh, it's happened. He, he, it's ha- yeah, exactly. And, and that, that pregnancy, you know, didn't, didn't go through. And I don't know, I really mm. don't remember how long we made it, but then there were some weird things that happened. And I don't know how weird we get on the ship, but there were some weird things that happened over the course of a couple of months where we we're like, okay, we've, we, we got to have another one. And if we're going to have another one, we might as well, we might as well do it now and try and do it back to back. Cause we're already in this mode. Yeah. And, yeah. and similar to what seems to happen is we like tried and tried and tried and didn't work and didn't work. And we finally said, okay, we're just going to get, <laughs> we're just going to not try anymore. And then that's when things worked out. And, yeah. and the second pregnancy was its own journey and its own, you know, mm. traumatic series of traumatic <laughs> events, but uh, everybody's here and healthy and, and safe and well and, and brilliant. So, you know, that's all that matters. Beautiful. So, four-year-old boy and the three-year-old is boy or girl? Three-year-old girl. Okay, so one of each, just perfect family. When you're see, that's what I like though is when you're looking in from the outside, you're like, oh, mom and dad, a boy, a girl, everything. But you know, even in just your size and in your language that you just used, it's like everybody has a story of of how it came to be, and life is just messy, dude. Oh, so messy. And and kids bring life at like an accelerated rate. I mean, and imagine cause you're living, you know, you're living another life, right. You know, and it's so compressed. And I think looking back on it, my, my life was, was pretty sheltered, you know, mm. things, you know, things didn't, didn't really go wrong. And I think my parents did a good job of keeping me, you know, out of harm's way and, and almost perhaps to a detriment because that's what, you know, that's kind of what they were th- they were taught was like, don't, don't let them be dangerous. Keep them out of trouble. Like, don't, mm. don't do dangerous stuff. Don't, you know, and, and so it was very like sheltered and, and me, my, my need for kind of approval and, and, and wanting to do the right thing, you know, I, I kind of fell in line and, and I saw though that how that, that kind of, I don't want to say crippled cause that's a strong word, but I, I saw how that hindered me as I grew and became an adult and, you know, was thrown into the real world where there's, there's, there's no guardrails. There's no, there's, there's no system that, you know, you're kind of all on your own and free to make choices. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm questioning all of, I'm questioning all of my decisions because I never had, you know, I could blame, it's not blaming, but right, right. I'm looking back at, at, at now I'm trying to give my kids more opportunities to, to face their fears, to go into challenges, to be okay yeah. with struggle and, and, ch- and obstacles and, and, and to lean into hard things, you know, to not, whereas I think that my parents, you know, they were trying to make everything as easy as possible for us. And it was like, that was kind of like, you know, whether it was schoolwork or whether it was the project, it was like, how can we get, how can we make this easy? And although I, like, you know, the report card looked fine and the, you know, the honor, like everything from the outside looked fine. I get hit with some real life stuff and all of a sudden I'm like, this is new. This is, Mm. you know, this is. So did you turn to them when this real life stuff happened? Who did you turn to? No, I didn't. And, you know, they were always supportive. Thankfully. I mean, my, my parents are fantastic. They're fantastic 
parents at, they did the best they could. They're great grandparents. You know, they take the kids all the time. The kids love going over there. And so it's like, I always, if anyone were to ever listen to these podcast interviews, they're like, damn, like he must've had, you know, his parents really, you know, not, not, not it, but they, they were. Um, and so I don't, I don't want to preface that, but, but I think that they had a very static mindset. That's something that I, I learned early on in kind of my entrepreneurial, you know, self-development journey was that they had a very stuck and static mindset. And that mm. was kind of the world they came from. They were employees. My, my mom worked for the same, you know, she worked for the, the city of LA for like longer than I was born, like 30 some odd years, you know, and she just worked the system. My dad, similarly, he, he tried to start a business one time and didn't have a, you know, did, had a terrible experience and ended up working for a big, you know, he's a, works for a big insurance company. And, and so they, there wasn't a whole lot of reason for them to seek growth, frankly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They, interesting. Yeah. And, and so for me, I, I was fortunate enough to be around people like the front row dads and, and, you know, some people who were, um, who came around, you know, when I kind of jumped into the business world that I, I look to. And, and if I'm frank though, during, during those times, we kind of bunkered down, you know, I don't know that I, I turned to anybody, but, mm. but my wife to try and get through those things. And, and I think that was to our detriment, you know, we're kind of dealing with some things now where, you know, perhaps we were a little too, too dependent on each other. Mm. And, and we didn't, you know, at the detriment of some of our relationships and friendships and, and even self, you know, self-reliance. So those are kind of things that we're, we're working through now, but, um, but yeah, we would really bunker down all that kind of happened you know, the, right after this COVID happened. And so it was kind of, everybody was forced to do that as well. But, um, more recently I've sought out groups like the front row dads and just trying to be intentional with putting myself around people who are going through similar life, you know, life experiences. So if you kind of grew up with this static mindset, um, or, or upbringing, what led you to, want to pursue personal growth and business and development. I got a sales job right out of uh, high school. <laughs> and I think we might be familiar with some, you know, some people in, in the cuckoo world, but I, uh, okay, yeah. I was fortunate enough to, to get that opportunity. It was 2009 and everybody had just gotten fired. It was like very similar to like right now, or even like over the last several years where everybody's getting fired and you've got the only difference is, is that today you know, you don't, I, I don't hear the stories of the 40 or the 50 or the 60 year old or, you know, the person getting laid off going and applying at the movie theater or applying at the, you know, McDonald's. Maybe that's happening, but I just, it's not in the headlines. But that back then that was, that was what was like, you know, in the headlines is that all the jobs that were supposed to be for high, you know, teenagers are being sucked up by all the people who just need work. Mm -hmm. And so if I wanted to, my, now one thing that I do really appreciate, and I would say like the one thing, but they did a ton of great things. But one of the things that they did do was when I graduated high school, they kind of cut me off from mm. like any of the, any of the extras. They were like, you've got a place to live and you've got food to eat here. But if you want to put gas in your car and you want to go out with your girlfriend and you want to hang out with your friends and you want to do whatever you want to do, you got to figure out and find a way to do it. And I was fortunate enough to have an opportunity where I was like, wait a minute, if I can work this sales job, then I can make money to go out and do stupid stuff with my friends on the weekend. And 
I also realized I'm not very good at sales. I'm kind of a wimp. I was very shy and, and very just, <laughs> you know, self-conscious and insecure and just like all the things. Right. And, and what I love, what I have, I'm, I'm grateful that I have is I've, I've, I'm seeing even then that I've, I've been fortunate enough to see those challenges, not as like a damning sentence and not as like, I'm, I'm bad at sales or I'm, you know, I'm not doomed to be insecure my whole life. It's like, I was fortunate enough to realize that like, well, I've got these kind of challenges. How can I work through it? Or what can I do? You know, I've started inhaling books and podcasts and, and really trying to learn and, you know, join some math, you know, like all those kinds of things to really find the answers and find the people around and, and the examples. Um, because I wasn't exposed to that. Right. And I think that there was like a in 2015, I read like 50 books that year. And that was like wow. a really pi- pivotal, like moment for me that both I was like, wow, I really, I do enjoy this growth thing. You know, like it was a lot of things catalyzed. And, and so was there any so. particular person who invited you into that? Or is it just like, I don't like the way things are headed or I don't want to go work at McDonald's. And so I guess I'll read books. Like, was there something that invited you into this? Cause I'll say for me, while you think about that for a second, for me, like I grew up a church going kid, read the Bible, had a couple cool teachers who introduced me to like, I don't know, like a John Maxwell book or something like that, you know, or how to win friends and influence people in college, which I did not graduate. I, I knew I wanted business. So I took a couple business classes and they introduced me to a couple books, like how to win friends and influence people, but nothing that I was like, I'm about to crush these. Um, and so yeah. it wasn't until later that I started even understanding what true personal development was other than from like a faith, like disconnect it from a faith growth, but to, and I think they're connected, but, but in my mindset, then it wasn't, they weren't connected, um, as, as far as they are now. So, yeah, you know, it wasn't a person. What's interesting is that that sales job. And, and I think we know a lot of people that have gone on to do amazing things that came from Cutco, you know, Hal Elrod, and John Roman and John Ruland and, and Justin Donald. And, you know, I mean, the list, it's just like yeah. all of these yeah, just killers, it. just, just totally, you know, great people. And I'm like, I'm like, I've, I, I'm kind of one of them too, but you know, they, they, in, in any case, they had a, I remember when I first started they had a website, you know, where you'd go in and you check your stats and stuff. And they had this library of audios from all mm. of the past conferences. And all, I had all these speeches on there, hundreds of them. And I just, I, I inhaled them. And I was like, wow, Whoa. there you go. I, okay. I just like, I, I was like, cause I saw for me, at least initially, I was like, wait a minute, if I can listen to this, I can get better at my sales presentation. I can make more money. I can do more stupid stuff. Like it was a very like, you know, easy so, formula. Yeah. Yeah. And it was right when, you know, thankfully I look at back and there's all these connections, right. And it was, you know, cause without that, I would not have had the ability to grow in that role. I didn't have the, cause I, at the time, and even now I, I don't, I love to go and binge on my own. I listen at double speed and I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm, I, I don't, I don't work very well with coaches and that what, like, I just, mm. that's not, I, I love a, like I have this whoop tracker and it's been the best thing for me cause I can report to a robot. Like that's, you know, it's just, I, I work very well independently. And so without that, it wouldn't have been possible. But, you know, it was back when we still had the iPods. And so I had my black, like the, the iPod that had the wheel, right? You would kind yeah, of spin, yeah, yeah. you know, spin around and I would load that up with, um, 
with these audios and go on my sales day and just be riding around in the car just listening to these these sales you know sales trainings and thankfully we had the aux cord right my car was you know yeah. one of the ones that you have the the tape you'd have you plug the 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 iPod the iPod into a, a tape that went into the, you know your tape so player wild. and there was this cord hanging out but we would do that and I would be listening to these things over and over and over and I would sometimes listen to the same audio I know there was one particular one particular one I listened to hundreds of times. What's, I mean, what, hundreds, do you remember who it was? It was his name was Drew Frank. He was a uh, he, he was on a it was eventually when I became a, a sales trainer. They had these you know they had more trainings on how to run a, a seminar basically, and you know every week we would be running these seminars Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It was kind of a you know, every week we'd be running these. Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would put it on every Thursday. I'd listen to the same one and just kind of prime Get and fresh every Friday. Up. Yeah, reminders and like, and it was interesting because what I would learn is like each time you'd re-listen to things, you'd pick something new off of it, or you'd find mm-hmm. some nuance or some connection that didn't that you didn't hear the time before, and so that was like a really big light bulb for me. And so now, like you know, I mentioned I read fifty books. Like I've gone back and I've read, I'll reread a lot of those books. I like to re-listen to audiobooks because you know I know I've realized that a you don't learn everything the first time, but b you pick it up. And it's like, I've heard someone say that it's like that old quote where it's like the, there's no, no man goes in the same river twice, right? Cause it's a different mm. man. It's a different river. And it's that mm. same kind of thing where like you're that. actually, you're coming at, you're, you're, you're experiencing this, this material as a different person, right? With different experiences, yeah. with different, you know, perspectives. And so, you know, That's- thankfully I have those, you know, bringing it back a little bit to fatherhood, like thankfully, similarly, I'm, I'm like, I, at the beginning, I sucked at being a dad or I, you know, like you just come in, you don't know what you don't know. And so I've, I've done the same thing where I've, you know, tried to, you know, inhale the front row dad's podcast and, you know, I'll yeah. read a bunch of books and the whole, the whole thing to, you know, try and not be a shitty dad. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's a fight. It's a fight that we're in. So I'm asking you a few more questions. Um, what is it that you do for a living to provide for the family? So my day job is podcasts. I uh, have a podcast production company. And so we produce and help people start, launch, and, and kind of keep their podcast going. Um, we have a, a service aspect to that where we actually do the podcasting, uh, podcast production for you. And then we have a, a training component where people who want to like learn how to do that. Um, yeah, love it. And that's how we got connected is um, I think Matt Drinkon probably uh, from Front Row Dads had had recommended that you and I connect. Um, when you think about fatherhood, and it's relatively new, right? Like four years ago, you became a dad. At what point did you really embrace fatherhood and go, this matters, right? Because there's this moment where you hear, Hector, you're going to be a dad, or however your spouse told you. And then you got this nine months to think about it. And during that time, you know, there's like this anticipation. And like you said, it was traumatic. It's parts like your wife was bedridden for two, three months. At what point did you go, wow, my role matters. This is really going to matter to this kid, how I show up. Yeah. You know, it probably goes way back before that. And I've talked with some family members about that because we have some, you know, as, as much as I love my dad, he's not the like, no one would necessarily look to him and go like, well, I want to be <laughs> yeah, that dad, you know, like he's, but my uncle 
Mm. Everybody would say that about him and my, my grandpa, you know, so there are some really, really great male dad role models in our family. And I always looked at my uncle. He's my, he's my Hispanics call it my, he's my Nino, right? He's my, uh, my godfather mm-hmm. basically. And, um, I always looked up to him and respected him. And, and so I, I saw that the, I guess I saw the effects of what, of what being a good dad could be. You know, we have, a. Hmm. my dad has six, uh, seven brothers and sisters, um, six now and passed away, but seven brothers and sisters who each have, you know, two to three kids who each have two to three kids. And so at Christmas, there's, you know, there's, there's too many people. There's too many Mexicans there. And, and it's, it's really, it's chaotic and it's crazy. And it's, you know, it, in the, in the moment, it's kind of wild, but if you look at it from the outside, it's really a beautiful thing. And I, I think intuitively I saw that that stemmed from some sort of, I don't know, I guess it doesn't have to be male leadership, but I saw that it stemmed from my grandpa and, and was Interesting. continued on by my uncle. And so I always, I remember I told So the mom, tradition of everybody coming together was held to be, held together by your grandfather and then your uncle. Right. Interesting. Yeah. He's the reason like, I say it's know, interesting he, is it feels like that would be like the matriarch role, you know, but, 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 um, that's and, fantastic. And, you, know, we, you know, what's interesting is my grandma who would, who would maybe play that role. She, she got sick. She had Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. And so mm. she was never very, um, she wasn't coherent, wasn't there. And so yeah. it, perhaps my, my uncle, you know, stepped in, he's the type of guy that would probably just step in and he's. Oh my goodness, he's the sweetest man. He's like, you know, I think he just turned 70, 78, wow. something like that. He's got a, his, his dog just passed away. And it was mm-hmm. like the whole family was heartbroken for him because mm-hmm. like, he would take this dog everywhere. And he's got this binder that he's got in his office. And it's got, I mentioned how many cousins we've got, you know, close to a hundred probably that are, that are in the, you know, just, just from that little, not like distant cousins, like people that show up, right? Regularly. Yeah. And he's got all the birthdays in a binder. Ah, he's got all dude, I love of the, this guy. all the info, you know, and he's got anniversaries and, and, you know, he's sending out, he's, he's the one sending out the email list saying, you know, congrats on graduations or when we've got a, you know, a new, a newborn in the family, like he's the one sending out the emails. And so it's this really, you know, obviously he wasn't doing that before email and stuff, but, but he's always been that guy. And, and I always, and that's your uncle. I, that's my uncle. Yeah. So who's going to take over this role for him? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm kind of, you know, I'm not nervous because the the jump would be like, I'm the youngest of the next generation, right? Or I'm one of the youngest. And I'm, you know, I'm the one who probably has their shit together, but, but the youngest of that group, right? The youngest. So can it be you? Stuff like that. I, I, I mean, if, if nobody else, I'm sure I... I it's perhaps right. And that strikes a lot of fear in me, but that, but I have, I, I don't think that I would let it not happen. Right. Yeah. I've, um, and, uh, yeah, I've done things like, you know, my, my uncle, he, tur- I mentioned he, we had a big birthday. I think it was last year or something like that. I think he turned 75 last year. We went and we, I used my podcasting skills and I interviewed all my aunts and kind of got their, their stories from them. And usually we would play like a slideshow and we'd have some music behind it and it would be cool to look at pictures. But behind the slideshow, we had my aunts talking about 
the stories behind the pictures and sharing it. And it was just like this really kind of powerful thing. And I've all, you know, so, so I've, I've wanted to take steps to do that. Um, I, I, it sounds like I, you have, I think it's important. And I would hate for someone to just look up in 10, 15 years and be like, what happened? How come, how come, what happened, mm-hmm. you know, or for my kids to be my age and, and not experience, not experience the value of, of what that, you know, there's something special that not everybody gets to be a part of, like, you know, not everyone gets to have that. And so to take that for granted or to just let that go by the wayside, I think it'd be a shame. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I got to say, like, I've always honored the Mexican culture because I feel like I see that more, you know, at least, and this could just be my family, but I wouldn't say on like a much of a scale, many people are doing that in my family. Um, and so like, I, I wouldn't say I'm convicted, like I feel horrible, but I think dads, as you're listening to this right now, when you hear of the 75, 76 year old, who's got the binder, there's this, there's like this move inside you. That's like, oh, yes, that matters. But for most of us, we're not taking any action now for that to matter. I'm not, but I'd love to be that 75 year old who has created that, but it's only going to come from steps that I would take now as a 39 year old or Hector as a 31 year old. So just some encouragement. If nobody's in that role right now, there's nobody stopping you. And you know what? Maybe you do get some pushback from family. Like, Oh, you're the youngest. What are you trying to do? Whatever. But you stay consistent in 30, 40 years from now, you'll have created some beautiful connection with, with people that, that matter. Yeah. I, I remember I told my mom, you know, and so I think it was deep seated. I told my mom, to kind of continue to answer your question, I told my mom at one point, I want to have 10 kids because I saw, I saw what, what was yeah, created totally. by, by that. And I, we recently got, got the surgery to make sure that we can have no more kids. And so I remember <laughs> telling my mom that and she's like, what happened? And I'm like, well, we actually have the kids. Yeah. So, uh, now I readjusted my, my estimates here. And so I think that it was like, bef- even before, I even actually got news that you know we were pregnant, and we were going to have a kid. I knew that I wanted to be a good dad. Like I knew, mm. like I knew that that was going to be important. Mattered. Yeah, and my dad, you know, I, I I'm hard on him in these interviews, but he was he was the coach for my little leagues. He mm. he took me to school every day. Like he did all that he knew. You know, by judging him by today's standards, yeah, he probably was not a very present or affectionate or loving dad. But judging judging by, you know. The, the standards that his dad of, that was around him, he was way more present, way more affectionate, way, you know, so, so yeah. we, we have to, you know, put it in the right kind of perspective. Right. And you're um, building upon that. Right. And so I, you know, I think that was kind of all I always knew. And, and like we found out unexpectedly that we were pregnant the first time. And, and mm. like, I don't know, there was just like a, okay, here we go. Like, like there was never any, you know, doubt at that point of, of like, you know, what are we going to do or how might like, yeah, you knew it was going to come and you were excited about it. So you embraced it. (sighs) I was scared, scared as shitless. Why were you so scared? I was 25 at the time. Okay. I was 25 at the time when when we, you know, the first time we got pregnant, we had a series of unsuccessful ones before we actually had our first boy. Mm. a number of them and that was its own that's been its own yeah it's tough but um 
I was so all my friends are the farthest from that world. So I don't, you know, there's no. It's not like a, a bunch of my other friends were having kids, and now right. uh, you know I'm the next one, and and which which seems to, you know, at least for my parents, right? Like all of their friends were having kids, and 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 so they, you know we kind of came. At least there was there was examples, right? And so that that was one thing. Um, I was right in the middle of of running a a sales organization that required me to be working, you know, 10 to 14 hour days, five to six days a week. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, there were, there were seasons of the year where that, you know, 12, 14 hour days was the regular. And, um, I wanted to spend time with, uh, you know, with my wife and like, you know, I just, I, I always think back to this one day we had, um, I was working in for people who know LA. I, I was working in Santa Monica, and you know, very crowded area. And we lived by the airport, which is only like you know six miles away. It's like six seven miles away on the freeway. But it took me about two and a half hours to get home, and not for any any reason other than it was just Thursday night. And mm-hmm. my wife had made, uh, I think she made tacos. I don't know. She had made something that night that I was so excited to get home to. And it was cold and it was, it was, not, you know, it was just like this, something had to change. And so, um, I was mm. also, I realized that that too, that I wasn't going to be happy doing the, the career that I was, that I was doing. It wasn't going to be something. But was it, so was it the kid or was it the tacos that made you have that shift? Things, things need to change. You know, I don't know combination huh it was just like that season that season of it was, life it, yeah it, yeah and you know i think about it i had already no no i i think the kid made me realize that i i want to be home for mm. for him and and the way that i i didn't see a path to being able to spend the time that i wanted to uh, doing what I was doing, yeah, you know, and I, yeah. I had seen the examples of the people who had kids in that field and in, in that business, and they weren't what I would call present dads. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't. And so, so, dude, that's a hard. Let me let me pause you because that's that's a hard thing. Like, especially twenty five years old, really a man at any age. But there's a lot of attaboys. There's a lot of like community. There's a lot of. Um, drive, competitive, like whatever industry that you're in. So a lot of your identity can be wrapped up in this is where I get fulfillment. So the kid, if I don't have like this real conscious conviction or awareness, I want to be home with my kid. I mean, your what you were established was like work was a priority, but I take you to school and I'm at your little league games. And so what changed for you to not fall into that world of like, okay, I'm going to keep climbing this corporate competitive sales, whatever. I, I want to be home. Like that's a big statement. I want to be home. You know, thank, thankfully the year before that we had our best sales, you know, we were national champions and I had kind of like, you know, climbed the, the yeah. ladder, if you will. And I was like, ah, ah. you know, yeah. like I was like, this is not, this is great. This is like cool shit. And like, this is like, but, but it wasn't any, it wasn't any different than, mm. than it was before, you know, like it wasn't really any different. And there was a, a funny story. So they give you a, uh, when you hit a certain milestone, 
Um, when you sell like a, over a million dollars for your, your kind of sales organization, they give you this Rolex. And I remember um, in the middle of the night, my watch fell off of my arm and we had just gotten a puppy at that time. My wife had gotten a, me a puppy like three months, you know, three months into our relationship, she brings home a puppy. That's a different story. But this <laughs> puppy is always under the bed and is always whatever. And I don't think anything of it because I'm like, she's just a freaking watch. This is tiny. You know, it's this dog. And I'm looking for the watch for forever. And we take her to the vet and they find this little clip in there. And she's like, is there, did she swallow metal recently or whatever? Or like, is there, you missing something? And we're like, she swallowed a $7,000. <laughs> Oh, Rolex my God. and, and, and we, th- and shit it out and we threw it out and you know, who knows? Oh no. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I didn't care. It was really uh, weird. I love that. I was like, I was like, I don't, I'm not even, you know, and I love that dog. So it was also because like, you know, I love that dog. I still, my mom, my mom has that dog cause we can't have her at our house right now cause of weird dog rules or whatever. But so, so I, that for me, I was like, so you were unattached. There's, so you were unattached from. So you had a, a different why or conviction about what mattered to you in life. It sounds like. Yeah, I knew it wasn't that. I knew that it wasn't going to be. But what made like, it I, not I, that? I made a lot of money. Was oh, it? Yeah. Was it because you could just go buy another Rolex, or because something else? Uh, you know, I don't. I don't know. I. I. I I, at that right around that time of my life, I found meditation and mindfulness, hmm. and so had been doing a lot of work, you know, with that, and just, um, you know, you know, actually, Simon Sinek's book "Start with Why." That was one of the books that I read that that year. I read fifty books, and mm-hmm. actually, it was actually the first one that I read, and it was probably the most impactful. Yeah, and and that for me kind of opened my eyes to like, huh, like okay, well, you know, this is. I, I I could find I had squeezed all of my purpose out of that sales position that I could. I had try and I had, hmm. I had really I'd really tried to find my purpose there, and and it kept something kept saying that it's not, and you know my my attention my my passion my curiosities kept going to these other places where you know there was a time where I was trying to build, I was still running my sales organization. I was trying to build this kind of, you know, online business at the same time. And what, what ended up happening was I was spending more time devoted to this online business at the, at the detriment of, of my sales organization. You know, I I really felt like I was letting my people down because I was not fully invested into, I wasn't fully invested into this and it was like a, it was really an ethical thing. And I I could have stuck around and kept getting a cushy commission check. And like, you know, I could have rode that out. I looking back on it, I probably should have because you know, the, the, that transition was probably a little more challenging than it, than it should have been. Um, but, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't look my people in the eye and say that I was giving them what I, what I said I was going to give them. Yeah. And so I just had to hang it up. Yeah. So I got a question for you. So you bring up this word curiosity and I wonder how many men fathers um, have lost curiosity, right? So they're just like, they're just tapped. Um, So with that in mind, you know, this idea of being curious and taking a risk and, 
and and seeking growth for yourself through whatever that looks like. Do you have any thoughts around curiosity? I mean, you just in the last five minutes mentioned, you know, I, I you said I exhausted my purpose in this place, um, but I had kind of integrity for my own character that I don't want to just keep showing up, pulling a paycheck, pissing my time away and theirs um, because I was curious. I mean, there's so much right there. And I think sometimes we, us dads are not satisfied with where we're at but we're not curious or allowing ourselves to be curious. Yeah. Thankfully I've always been, I mean, I think that's my, I'm probably too curious because I go down rabbit holes that I'm like, you don't need to be spending this time here. This is not, this is the, you, and I feel myself and I'm like, don't go down this rabbit hole, Hector. And so it, it has, <laughs> it is a, a, something that I've had to learn to, to throttle at times. Mm. Um, because because I, I am so naturally curious and I will go down you know like I said but but to the other to the the other side of it I think that there are too many people who don't expose themselves to their curiosities or or they they think that that it's inaccessible and and you know mm. I've always been someone who has prowled the internet and always you know ever since I was I found AOL I was like what is this? And what if I click here and what's over here? And so I've always, it's never been hard for me to, to find the things that I've been curious about. But I think that there is a ton, ton out there. And and as I'm thinking about it, I think like some people, I would imagine it can be like community or, or like relationships or even content. Right. But there's, there's something that, that can drive that, that curiosity and what I'm grateful for in living today is that thankfully we can leverage that curiosity if we want into our work and into a career and into something that, that hopefully keeps food on the table and sustains itself. And and it can be that if you want it to be. Yeah, I think that's good. And I think it could be in any job. I was just talking to somebody else recently and it's like, be connected with what drives you. And then you could probably apply it where you are. There's probably not a lot of instances where you actually have to leave. Um, if you can thrive where you are, you know, maybe that's where you're supposed to be. Um, I'm going to jump to a couple other questions um, just because I could tell we could just wrap forever. Um, so in a couple sentences, as you became a father, you know, you've got your dad to look to. You've got your uncle to look to. You've got a lot of great family. For you, Hector, what would you describe in just a couple sentences what your role is as a father? What's important to you when you consider your role? So the roles that I aspire to be are the, the, and I got it from that book, the, the king, the warrior, mm. the magician, and the lover, right? I don't know. Are you familiar with that book? I am. I haven't read it yet, but it's on my nightstand. Somebody just brought it up the other day. Yeah, it's, uh, it sits next to my toilet. <laughs> um, <laughs> and those are the four that I think of, right? So if I can be a king who provides and who holds space and creates peace in, in mm. my, you know, in my domain and, yes. and, and what all that, right. If I can be when needed, the warrior that defends that place, that shows that strength that, you know, in whatever that means, right. That, that, that's even more of like a, a provider in, in a, in a survivalist even kind of sense. Right. But, but there's yeah. that and, and, and showing my kids, you know, at least specifically my son, that, 
that uh, thr- uh, throttled aggression or, or that that contained aggression, right? The ability to 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 withhold that, I think, is is a, a part for me. Um, the magician, which is like you know, got to fix shit and keep things going around the house, and like you know, you, you've got a there, there's that part, right? Which is just making things work, and then the lover, which is both you know to to my wife and to my kids, but to, to be that, um, to be that person too, right. That compassionate, um, un- understanding father, right. Mm. Not the, you know, I grew up Catholic. And so that idea of like a very, I don't know, judgmental, domineering, punishing father was always like, ah, oh, that doesn't really work. <laughs> Like, mm. so that, so, that, so I, I knew that it had to be, you know, that, that structure and, and all that was important and firmness, but, but that there, it had to be supported with love. Otherwise, uh, uh, otherwise it's incomplete, you know, otherwise that. Yeah. Really well said. Yeah. That, that you're not throwing out the structure or discipline, what you want, but you're surrounding it with love. And I think this, so the statement that you made that I just wrote down that I don't think dads may realize enough, but you said create peace in the space. And I think, I mean, you, I think that the father has a massive impact on the peace that is felt in the home. I think the way he shows up from work, I think the way he shows up with whatever he's expecting from his wife, which then trickles down to the kids is like, dude, you have massive massive uh, influence, power, whatever on the peace that's experienced in your home. Yeah. I, I heard on the, I think Roman talked about this idea that, you know, femininity is this, is this fluid chaos, right? And that's kind of, it's kind of women, right? And it's not, obviously we're generalizing here, but the point is, is that he, he says that it's like, you know, that femininity is like water and it's very fluid. Whereas the masculinity is the cup. And it's the structure and it's, it's there to allow for that fluidity. And it's that, that is, that is its role. Right. And within the, I don't remember, once again, I, I don't remember where I got this, but some, somewhere they, they talked about the, the feminine energies is this, is this creation energy, right? It's this, it's mm. the spark. It's the, it's the, but, but in that creation is, is chaos. And so it's our ability to, it's like a combustional engine, right? It's like, there, that combustion requires that spark and that chaos, and it only the engine only works when there's that structure and that system to convert that chaos into something productive. And I think similarly, we as men have that opportunity where I'm, this is something a big time that I'm working on is like you know with breath work and a whole bunch of things to try and not react to my wife's emotions because I used to mm. come in and I used to match and almost accelerate her emotions. And so she would be, you know, upset. And I would say, well, if you're upset, then I'm going to, I'm going to come back at you with that same energy. And then the whole house is on fire. Whereas Mm -hmm. if I can just come at it understanding or just, if I can be that engine, right. The metal that's out there that can withstand that fire. Well, we can bring, we can bring the peace back a little bit. Right. And, and a lot of that was me kind of not needing to be right or not needing to, to fix things in the moment or needing to get my point across. Or like a lot of that was a lot of releasing that, but, but I've, I've realized that that, that 
just as that is her role, you know, that is my, you know, we can, we can lean on each other in those ways. Dude, it's really good. And I'm, I'm just like seeing moments where, <clears throat> where the, my wife will, I'll come in and maybe something's going on and she'll say something and then I'll say something at the same energy. Cause I'm like, all right, cool. You know, but I'm doing it to be a dick, right? I'm not in, and she's not, she may not even realize that her energy is like heightened or whatever. Right. And, right. and she'll be like, why are you, why are you responding to me like that? And I'm like, oh, I'm just matching your energy, but I'm totally being a dick. I say that. I used to say that all the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm just giving you what you're giving me. Exactly. And she's like, what? <laughs> what you talking about? But, but I wonder, and, and I'm sure I could think of instances <laughs> of this, but if I kept my energy at the energy that it was, right? That this, this more grounded, hopefully grounded, uh, not that I'm, I'm not saying I'm more grounded than my wife because she would argue that, that, that I'm more emotional, which is probably the case a lot of times. But in this circumstance that we're talking of, um, if I weren't to match that and I were to come in as and think of myself as like talk in peace, would then her energy come down to mine? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes. So, so, sometimes. You know, or it does, at least it, it would make the fire work. bigger, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, you can't, um, I remember when I was like trying to, you know, entering the dating world, there was these, uh, you know, the art of charm was, uh, by Jordan Harbinger. It was like right when that came out and it was like, you know, the whole pickup artist thing is kind of weird and it's kind of scummy and there's really weird things to that. But one thing that I did take away and just listening to kind of a few things was, was something they called a shit test, right? Are you familiar with this? No. So basically what they would say is that, you know, when you approach a girl, when you approach, you know, someone at a bar or club or whatever, you know, you would say something to them. And a lot of times the, you know, the, the women who value themselves are supposedly like, right. The, the tens or the, whatever, however you want to, you know, that's a weird thing, you know, world to get into, but those, those women will tend to be really mean to you and they call it a shit test. And from a, you know, psychological perspective, from the women's you know, kind of perspective, essentially what they're trying to do is to see how, how man you are, if you will, mm. how, how you can handle this, how you do handle it. And if by doing that, right. So let's say you would approach somebody and, and you say, Hey, you know, you're stupid pickup line. And then they say like, Oh, I would never, you know, you know, for me, it might be like, I would never date someone as tiny as you or whatever. I'm, I'm five, six. And you know, that was always my insecurity was how tall I am. So, you know, if she went there, I, I, I don't know how I'd come back from it. Right. But, but in that moment, how do you respond tells her a lot about you as a guy. And so, yeah, you know, your whether confidence, your confidence, right? And so what's interesting is I see the same kind of thing happening in a weird way. You know, it doesn't necessarily go away in marriage. And, and it's like, our women need us to be the engine, right? That, that strong yeah. furnace that can handle that. And even if they may not be doing it consciously, like subconsciously, they are, are, or testing us or, or leaning on us or however you want to look at it to be that cup, that container for whatever they're going through. Right. And, and it's, it's hard, no, right? It's yeah. It's, but it's, it's good. If you know, like, if you know, that's a part of how we're designed, 
then you're going to show up differently because it's like at right. my age now, I have friends who are who are getting divorced or thinking they're getting divorced or having some real problems. And I, and I don't have a nicer way to say this other than they have become a bitch in their house because, and, and, and I was explaining this to my 14 year old daughter yesterday and funny how we got into the conversation, but we were talking about it and, and there's supposed to be this tension between a man and a woman. Like there's supposed to, like there's things inside of us that we don't even realize. We'll never comprehend how we, how this were created to, to connect. And, and it's, I'm supposed to stink and I'm supposed to like, she, she there's something about my masculinity that she's drawn to, but she's also going to push back on to see how I respond. And same with her. But if I had a better understanding of that one, I wouldn't just bend over and take it and become a passive husband, which then she won't respect. Right. But also, we're not talking about this patriarchal, like, do it not in love. Like, I want to sacrifice myself for my wife and kids every day. So that's not what we're talking about either, is just like running the show. This comes from service, right? But it comes from not getting triggered by these little things that end up wedging in your relationship because you just don't know how to communicate, which is what you're talking about. Right. Yeah, we... We... I used to need to talk everything out or feel the need to talk everything out and want to get everything out in the open. And now I, I just, I've learned that it's not always healthy to just dump everything on her. Mm. She doesn't need, she doesn't need that. Like she's got her own things. And I used to be, and this was because I didn't have an outlet of guys to be able to share it with. That's I didn't good, have yeah. my own community, you know, to be yeah. able to, to, to unload that on. And so she was my person And, and that was a big reason of why we're kind of going through these, you know, kind of un, un, I don't know what the word is, but right. But undoing that codependency. And, and so I would unload it on her and she would, she's not there to take that, you know? Um, I think this is a really key point you're making and, and I don't want dudes to get confused. We're not saying hide things from your wife or don't have communication with your wife. But there is a difference that your wife is your tribe that you go dump all your shit and try and figure everything out. Now, you and your wife may talk about anything, but you may need to go to a group of other warriors, talk some things out, get some clarity, and then go back. Because if you're just going to her and then dumping it all and then, hey, what should I do? Over a long period of time, I think what we're getting at is like that is not her responsibility to figure out your problems. She doesn't need to be your mom as well. Exactly. And that, and that was, that's a, you know, for being honest, that was a big thing that I had to realize too, is that I was, I was wanting her to be my mom. And I think we all in a weird kind of way, like have to, my, my mom is before my wife, my mom was my best friend my whole life. She's, we have the same birthday. Like we literally were were born on the same day. My twins were Uh, born on my birthday. Really? That's, yeah. I've never met anyone else who had something similar. So, so I don't know. There's a weird, I mean, you probably get, there's a, a I don't know. I don't so, know how deep or spiritual it gets, but, but she was a, a big you know, person in my life. So what's resonating with me right now? Cause I was like, I'm trying to figure this out too, right? I've been married whatever, 18 years, but it's not that you don't want to talk everything out with her, but maybe it's the motivation or the way, because she wants to see you as confident. Right. Right. Cause she wants to make sure like you're a confident man, just going back to the shit test. Like, is this guy confident? So if I'm always dumping my stuff and I look like I, I, I I just need her to be my confidence. That's where maybe the breakdown is. Yes. 
Yes. It's, it's absolutely it. And she said that. And I had to unpack a lot of that. Why do I need so much validation from her to feel like whole and complete? And even like mm. this this week, I I struggled mightily with that, right? Like, and so it's it's a, an up and down process, but it was that, that, that realization that I was seeking valid, I was actually seeking validation. Wow. And then, yes. and, and then it was coming out in neediness. It was coming out in, 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 oh. in whininess. And Dude, this is powerful right here. Okay. Finish your thought. And then I want to share what I've been thinking. Well, she about. doesn't like that shit. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, so here's this thing that I, I've been like wrestling with is like, uh, you and I have needs. That is the reality. We have right. needs. We're born with right. needs. We're going to have needs. And to what level do I look to my wife to fulfill my needs? Now, there's some needs that, I mean, yes, if there's needs that I need her to fill. But if I always just look like this needy kid, I need validation. I get my confidence. Like, you got to have dudes that you go to that you work things out and figure things out so that you're not getting all this validation. So it's like, where do you fill those needs? I think you got to pay attention to that as a dude. Yeah. And, and the, yeah, where you fill them. And, and a lot of times it's just <clears throat> a perspective change, right? Is what I mm. was, what I realized is I need a, uh, I need a per, you know, perspective change. And, and it's hard to get that, you know, unless you have a group of guys who can, hold a, a, a safe enough space that's that is safe yeah. enough and also relatable enough to where you know to where you trust there, there's a there's an openness to the to the other opinions right to where when this guy goes dude you just you know here's here's act probably what's going on or you know gives you just kind of some realness and and it's it's received whereas if your your wife was to say that you know like i remember my wife a few weeks ago she had a, a friend pass away and and um, she had to go on a, on a trip to, um, Denver. We live here in Southern California. And so it was, you know, it was not a, a short trip She'd fly. And, and the, the trip ended up getting extended two days because flight got delayed and whatever, whatever. It just like, and I was just so triggered. Right. I was just so, so like, what is she doing? Like, mm-hmm. there's all these weird things, right? Like she's in a, she's in a jacuzzi with her friend. Like, and it was, it was another chick. Like there's nothing weird. Like she's, I'm just, I'm just flying off the rails and I'm, and you know, I have a chat with um, my front row dad's band, you know, a couple group of guys on that Monday. I'm kind of talking this out and they're like, no, like she's probably just going through some shit, dude. Like, you know, like she just needs, she needs some time. And that was the biggest thing that when she came back, it was like, you know, I need time, I need space, whatever. And I was gripping, right. I was like, she needed space and I was like hovering mm. over her. and um, that's, that too has been a big challenge that we've been working through is, is this, you know, she, she needs space to process. I heard someone say recently that the, the sixth love language is space. And Dude, I, I think like, space is huge uh, for ourselves, for others. Yeah. Okay. So this brings a great point. So w- what you're saying, um, what I've learned a lot from front row dads and being with these guys is one. Yes. What you and I are talking about is you need other dudes around to call you out. Right. And, and give them the authority to call you out. I think any man who has no accountability is in a bad, bad place, but you have to give people uh, the ability and, and it's not always your wife, right? It's gotta be some, somebody outside of that. The other thing that has been really powerful for me to learn with, with the front row dads group, is that most the answers that I'm seeking 
are actually already inside of me. Because you know in these groups, it's always like, don't give advice, ask questions, right? To help you discover what's real. And that's helped me to trust myself. And that's where confidence comes in. I don't need to go ask my mom anymore what I should do, aka my wife. I need to go spend some time with myself, come to some resolution. Then maybe I go and run this by, this is what I'm thinking. How does this sound, right? Get that input, have conversation around it. Um, but that's a confident man who can go sit alone, which the space you're talking about, dude, do you, as a dad, create space for yourself? You better, right? Um, couple important things that, I, that I've been learning the last couple of years. Yeah, I've had to fight to get some morning time. And I say fight, I don't mean like, you know, fight with anybody. Although there are some nights with sleep deprivation where... Yeah, you your kids are little, bro. Yeah. Um, but but my, my mornings, and today I like fell off the wagon. So it's like, it's never, I'm never perfect, right? But I, I try and get up at 5 a.m. just to have some time and space before anything, you know, before the chaos happens. And when I do that, I'm such a better dad in the morning, hmm. right? Like I, the, yeah. the, the mornings where I'm able to, you know, I come in, make some tea, get some time, game, you know, like do my miracle, like, you know, just have some time for myself. And and then they come down the stairs. Like I, uh, it's such a better morning when I'm able to greet them like that. And I've already filled my cup enough so where I can now give, you know, to them in, in the way that they deserve, as opposed to, you know, when I'm sleeping or went to bed late the next morning and they're, they're coming in and waking me up and I'm, you know, waking up with them. And, and it's just that the energies is just is so different. And, and I think that that space is, is important. And I, I didn't realize the, the value that the space created in our relationship too. Cause you know, we talked about this codependency thing and there was, you know, for a big part of our relationship times where we, we see each other every day or, and so like, you know, the, all of a sudden she's going on business trips every week. It's like, it's, it, it was a, it was a big change and shift for me. Mm. And that was kind of setting off all my insecurity flags and all, you know, that was his own thing that, you know, kind of came up, but I didn't, I didn't give her the space. And the times where when she was gone, I was texting her all over what's going on. When are you, you know, asking just things that really didn't matter when she came back, it was not, there wasn't any sense of renewal or any freshness as opposed to now it's like, you know, she'll text and she'll call when she has time and she's working and she's busy. And when I just kind of let it go, she comes back and like, you know, everything is so much better. You know, everything yeah. is so much better. Yeah. 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 Oh, dude. All right. So I'm going to ask you my, my two last questions just as we're coming to the top of the hour here and I want to honor your time. And so this podcast is fatherhood field notes. You've been doing it. Just open up your field notes, sharing your life, the victories, the flops, whatever you want to call them. But the, the mantra behind it is rebel and create. And, and it could be applied to I'm rebelling against something, you know, something large in society so that I can create X, Y, or Z, or it could be, I'm rebelling against, you know, having cell phones at the dinner table so we can create great family meals. So when you think about the words rebel and create, what are you Hector rebelling against? And then what do you hope to create out of that? Yeah. What I would rebel against is like a can't attitude. My, my mm. three-year-old, some of them are going through There's I can't, I can't put on my shoes. I can't. And I'm just, <laughs> Oh, I get so triggered by it. Oh my goodness. I have to leave the room sometimes because I get so mad because I know how capable they are. Yes. Like I, I, I know I, I, they are, they are brilliant. Like, like, you know, 
absolutely. Of course, everyone says that about their kids, but, but I've seen it and they're, you know, other people like the whole thing, right? Like it's, you know, perhaps everybody's kids brilliant, but I know, I know the, how capable they are. So when I see them fall and slip into that kind of helpless victim mentality, uh, it just, I have to, I have to, I'm working through frankly, why it triggers me so much, but that is something that, that I, I absolutely want to create in my kids that, that they are capable. Like that's that they're, that they're capable. Like more than anything, they can they can go through this life, right? Like the, you know, I don't I don't have a a number. Or there's no like they have to go in this industry or like you know all all the kind of milestones or trophies that a lot of our parents try to put on us. I don't have any of those other than are they are they kind and capable people? Like that's yeah. those are the things that I want to want to create. Oh, well, I love it. And and then here's my last question. Then my last question is a legacy question, right? And you kind of just said kind and capable people, but, but imagine 30 years from now, 30 years from now, you'll, your kids will be like right where you are, you know, 33, 34, um, living their lives. If you are now peering into their homes as a 60 year old man, what is it that you see being played out in their homes? And you can put a smile on your face going, all right, the way Hector showed up every day helped to instill this. Oh, geez. I just think if there's love there, right? I mean, it's like there's having a loving family is hard these days. Like statistically. Mm. Yes. Like, like, you know, like statistically, that's not, that is, that is not the case, right? So so that's not the norm or the standard, the average. Right. And so I think that like, man, if they could find someone that they love and they could have a family or they even not, you know, what, uh, whatever, would it be cool to, to, to pass my lineage on? I don't think that's going to be a problem. Both my son already is, he's already talking about girl. I mean, he's well into (laughs) <laughs> he's had yeah. multiple girlfriends already yeah, yeah. at school. The four-year-old my, who has the girlfriends. Yeah, totally. Yeah, my daughter is waving at boys all the time. I'm just, I don't think that's going to be the issue. But if they can find someone that, that, that loves them and that they, can, that they can create love, right? That's good. Love is created in their household. Mm. Like, man, like that would be – I think that would be it. Dude, Hector, man, you are, you are well on your way. Um, to this. And I want to bring up a couple things because as we're talking, I'm like, you're 31, dude, a young dad. And the things that you're wrestling with, the things that you're thinking about, you're a great dad, a great husband, a great leader. The fact that you're building upon these foundations for your kids, for yourself, for everybody who comes in contact with you, you said it, we're not perfect. But the fact that we're waking up, pushing and fighting today, I didn't wake up at five tomorrow I will. Right. It's like this, there is no perfection, but you're after this. And a couple of things you said that I'm like, ah, this is it, dude. Love is created right, right there. That's not just a feeling like I'm going to show up. If I feel like showing up, you said, you know, my hope is that my kids have a, a loving family, which is hard these days because nobody wants to do hard things, but you're triggered because your kids say can't. And so that's going to get wiped out of them by their, by 10 years old, right? Can't's not going to be a thing we use. Maybe you won't be so pissed about it, but the reality that that's a trigger is not so bad. And then you've used the word twice in our conversation, man. Uh, they deserve, they deserve love. And, and when I hear you say that, 
I really go, this guy's not selfish. I know we all feel selfish, but when we think about what other people deserve, it's no longer my kids coming down the stairs and they need me. That makes me the center of the story. But when you say my kids coming down the stairs and they deserve love, dude, that's just like a whole different perspective on, on who these people are in your life. Um, you're crushing it, bro. And, and the fact that you and I got to connect and talk fatherhood, I'm inspired by you. I'm inspired about your, your perspective on it. And, um, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep, keep loving your kids well. And, and, uh, I'm excited to stay connected to you and, and just be a father walking alongside you. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's great to have, have guys like you alongside me for sure. All right, brother, we could talk forever. Uh, until next time. Incredible conversation. So great to connect with another dad who is really in tune with loving his family well. And, you know, a younger dad. I love this. Um, I love the real conversation about we sh- how we show up for our spouses and the importance of confidence in us as men, knowing who you are and embracing your role as a selfless father. Um, my friends, you are already making massive change to your legacy and family tree by investing in yourself as a father. As you know, many men stumble into their role as father. Our society is in desperate need of fathers who know who they are and are engaged in their home. And I created the Adventure of Fatherhood Children's Book and Gift Box as an opportunity for you to be a part of another man's adventure. Please help me spread the word that fatherhood matters. I worked so hard uh, to create this book and gift, and so many of you came along and supported, especially with the Kickstarter campaign that we did last year. But it is out. The book has been released. Uh, it was on Valentine's Day. I'm beside myself. It's so fun. You can go to adventurefatherhood.com to order a kid's book and make a gift for a new dad or maybe a dad who's had a baby recently. Um, or I've done the legwork. You can just order a full gift box. You could personalize a note. We'll send it for you. You could have it sent to your house. You could doctor it up how you want and deliver it. But most men are not invited into their role as a father. And you and I, if we are fathers now, we must, we must invite new fathers in. Put yourself back when you had your first kid. Gnarly, right? You have the opportunity to invite men into their role when they have a kid. All right, my friends, uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to Rebellion Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time. <laughs>